good morning. Thank you for joining us this holiday weekend. We have been on an adventure this month, a generosity adventure, and it's been part of Pastor Kirk's Wide Open Spaces series where he has been walking us through 2 Corinthians, and then we took some special time here in November to really focus on the concept of generosity and what God has to say about that in 2 Corinthians, and today is our last Sunday where we will be teaching about generosity, and Ryan and I are so honored and privileged to get to be here teaching today, so thank you so much. Hey, I have been a part of this church for almost 20 years, and I am grateful, grateful to have pastors who are bold enough to teach about money, about our finances, and they have for over 20 years. And I'm blessed to sit under that teaching, and so much that I think I've, I've gotten um, used to it and take for granted that that actually is not the norm. And I'm very grateful to be a part of a church that talks about finances because, hey, finance is on our mind. If we're honest with ourselves, our money is on our mind every day, multiple times a day. Finances and the stress and the anxiety of our finances affects our health, affects marriages, affects our peace of mind. And I'm so grateful that our pastors approach that and that they teach us what the Bible says about finances because this might be surprising, but the Bible says a lot about money. Yeah. It actually has a lot to say. And because the Bible teaches that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And God cares a lot about where our heart is. He cares a lot about that. It's so true. You know, I think this is exactly what the role of the church should be, right? To take these things that are so relevant to our everyday life and actually talk about what does the Bible actually say about these topics? What does God have to say about these topics? That's why, uh, I, again, like Therese said, I'm, I'm so grateful that we do have pastors that are just going to go right after these relevant topics. That's why we want to talk about your finances. That's why we want to talk about relationships. That's why we want to talk about these important things that truly do hit our lives every single day. And, you know, I think one of our, one of our unique roles as the church is to, to help the body of Christ, help us as believers, not just make Jesus our savior, which is amazing. Can I get an amen on that? But to actually help people understand you and me that Jesus is our savior, but to help him be actually the Lord in our life over every single area. Not just our Savior, but truly the Lord over every single area of our lives. And, you know, as, as Teresa and I were preparing for this message and, and researching and looking out there, uh, there's just, there's lots of wacky ideas about tithing seriously. and giving. There's seriously some crazy stuff out yeah. there. And, <laughs> and you know, so today what we wanted to do is just take a moment and share our personal giving stories, but also uh, talk about some, some common questions that we've gotten over the years about tithing, about giving. And by no means at all are we experts in this topic uh, by any stretch, but I do believe that God has given us revelation and some understanding in this area over the years, and we just want to share what we feel like God has been teaching us uh, over, over the course of really our entire lives. But we do know that ultimately this, this is an area, just like every area, where you and I have to have a personal relationship with God. We've got to actually seek 
God's counsel in this area, just like we do every area of our lives. Amen? All right. Well, let's hear Teresa's story. Awesome. Well, for I'm going to scoot your notes over just a little. Okay. So I have some room here. All right. It has begun. All right. Okay. (laughs) I have a feeling. the notes. We just kind of got to share this space. All right. Okay. Uh, My personal giving story, I'm very grateful that my parents were believers and they got saved in um, the 70s and they um, were taught tithing from the beginning. I'm so grateful for that, that they were part of a church that taught that. So then they taught me um, to tithe. My first job was working at Revco, which is now CVS. Um, and I tithed off of that paycheck. I remember my dad sitting down with me and we would write on the envelope, okay, so you made this much, we're going to tithe this much, and I would um, hand it in at church on Sunday. In college, I made a whopping $200 a month as a resident assistant, and so I tithed my $20 and felt like a grown-up. And I found this church early on in college, and so the pastor, of course, he was teaching about giving and, the, and honoring God with our tithes. So I tithed my $20, and I would think, man, someday... It's going to be awesome if I can tie $30. And, but there's two things that stand out to me when I think about my finances in my early adult years. The first one is that I found here in the church, I found role models in generosity. I remember sitting where you're sitting, and I would watch every time there was a moment to give. Definitely during tithing moments, when there was offering moments for missions or a guest speaker came in, I watched these women that I really admired always reach down into their checkbook, into their purse and pull out their checkbook, because we use checkbooks then. But um, they would pull out their checkbook every time. I was watching that. That made an impact on me, that these women that I admired, and I admired them for so many reasons. I, I saw how they lived their lives. They were generous in so many ways. They served on volunteer teams. They led small groups. They hosted parties and hosted showers in their home. They owned their own businesses. They had multiple children, and they seemed to have a grace to them for these things. And I knew, I was no dummy, all of this must be connected. <laughs> I wonder if these are all connected, that, that their generosity and the way they live their lives and the confidence that they go through life with. And but another thing, though, about my finances in my early 20s was that I was not good with my money. So, I'm just going to go ahead and admit that and hope that there's some people out there that might be able to relate to the younger version of Therese. But hey, tithing was the only consistent thing I was doing. My dad must have put some fear of God in me. I'm grateful for that. But I got very bored very quickly with the idea of tracking my finances. thought it was super lame, super stuffy to have to sit down and write out what I've spent my money on and all my $200. And, um... I did not track my spending. Y'all, I bounced checks. Had to call my dad often. How, how did you do your taxes? But Ryan did my taxes for me for many years. It was my, it was my secret 15-year plan to, to woo her with deductions and exemptions. It was, it was the slowest and most boring love story ever. <laughs> but he did... I needed help. I needed help. I didn't know what I was doing. But I, um, I look back now and I'm like, good grief. How did I not end up homeless? I did not know what I was doing with my money. I look back and I think honestly it was just the fact that I was tithing was the only safety net I had because it was not my wisdom. It was not the wisdom that I was living my life out with. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today. But hey, I'm older now, 37 
And I have learned to grow in discipline in many areas of my life, and finance is one of them, and I'm so relieved. I've learned to submit to the wisdom of my husband, who does have a lot of revelation about finances. I've learned to not be so passive about my finances, and that I can have an active role in where my money goes, and not just kind of hope it all works out. And I, I just want to tell you, if your story sounds like mine, there's hope. You can become a grown-up. I promise. And you can find the joy of discipline. I know those two words sound weird, but it is true. Yeah. The joy of discipline. It's, it's um, just real quick, to me it's like an analogy of, of deciding to plant a garden, and that takes work. You have to plan it, like plan it out on a piece of paper. How big is this garden going to be? Measure it out, buy the seed. Plan, do some research if you've never done this before. Seek out farmers and other gardeners. How do I do this? Take some time. The result, though, is a harvest. That's more than enough. If you've had a garden of veggies and fruit, you're giving away tomatoes. You just don't know what to do with all this harvest. But it took purposeful planning. That versus someone like myself in my 20s would think, no, I want to be free. I want to forage for berries and just hope I make it day to day finding food. And think that that's freedom, right? But it's actually starvation. It, that is actually a very limited life. And that the one who sets out to plant a garden and do the work and do the discipline, that is freedom. Yeah, good. And that actually puts you in a place to give out of abundance. And so that's a revelation I've had to get as I've gotten older, that the thing that appears free it's not true freedom. It's actually bondage. Yeah. And that area actually goes into a lot of our, a lot of, if there's something you're pushing against in life, and you're like, no, I want to be free. Yeah, it's actually often a, a source of bondage yeah. in our lives. So our minds can play with us in that. Yeah. Well, let me tell you my personal giving story really quick. I, I grew up in church my whole life, had awesome parents who uh, brought me to church every single Sunday and uh, grew up in a great Christian home. And my parents, they, we talked about finances a lot. We actually started talking about it very early. Uh, it was one of the, the areas of my life that, that we really just went after it. I mean, we were talking budgeting and investing when I was like seven, like seven years old. I'm just like, mm, all right, stock split, all right, understanding that, dividends, got it. And so we discussed all that kind of stuff uh, quite a bit. And I remember watching financial shows with my dad as a little kid. Uh, I know, I know, it's amazing. How did I not turn out to be a big nerd? And, and so... <laughs> I don't remember a lot of focus on giving in church, but I watched my parents and I knew that they gave. We didn't talk about it as a family, but I watched them. Uh, we grew up in, in a Baptist church where they have the envelopes where the date is printed on them for every week. Is anybody familiar with this? And, and so you, you kind of, you know, uh, that's your envelope for the week and you give. And so uh, that happened. And, and I remember going through building campaigns at, at the church I grew up in. And I remember that it was uh, a lot of fun to pledge toward those campaigns. I don't remember actually giving anything, but I remember it was really fun to say that I was going to give. 
and 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 I know my parents participated, but I went through high school, and it, and it really wasn't until I got to college and started coming here to this church that I started to hear teaching, biblical teaching about tithing. And slowly, over just a couple of years, my my brain, I could I could start feeling the shifting in my thinking, and. This was a this was a very new concept for someone like myself who who leans very analytical and uh, and and to say that giving something away actually increases you was very hard for me to process and for me to understand. But I remember it was the last semester of my senior year at UNC Asheville here at, that that the Holy Spirit just pulled on my heart to start giving fifty dollars a month. Now that was not based on anything because I didn't have any income. I had no job. I was stereotypical broke college student, but I just felt the pull of the Holy Spirit to start giving that. I did that, and then not long after that, I graduated and got a job in finance by a total miracle. It was uh, a blessing that I did not deserve in any way. And I just remember that that season and the seasons that flowed after that were, were full of blessing after blessing that I did not deserve. Now, I you, you never really know why things happen, right? But I, I do believe that so much of that it can be attributed to just the obedience of bringing my tithe, my first and best, to God during that season. And what happened when Teresa and I got together, we both came together as individuals who already were tithing and were giving to God. And so we just continued that in our marriage and continue that in our family and we don't have time to go through all of them this morning but truly blessing after blessing in season after season and it's been an incredible uh, incredible thing to to experience and and to watch that actually happen in other people's lives as well so those are our stories that we wanted to share with you and and there's a lot of details in there that, that we didn't have time for but uh you know we wanted to go ahead and jump to the questions here let's go through uh, some common questions these are common questions that we've gotten over the years uh, about tithing that we want to help out with so our very first question, it's a basic one, uh, but I think it's just a good, good baseline to start and make sure we're all on the same page here. And the question is simple. What is tithing? What is it? Right. The word tithe actually means tenth. It means tenth or tenth part. And it is giving 10% of your income to your local church. That is the definition of tithe. Now, there's many things under that that the tithe is, and I'm going to tell you real quick, the tithe is a declaration to yourself. And this is what you're declaring. I understand and I agree that God owns both the material and the spiritual things in my life. So that when we tithe, we're declaring that to ourselves. It is a reminder to keep God first, that He is the source of all that I need. The tithe was created to break selfishness off our lives because, it, man, giving, giving your finances away will do that. Hey, unselfish people make better husbands, they make better wives, they make better friends, relatives, employees, and employers. Tithing is the way that the local church is resourced 
to continue its mission, to meet the needs of our family of believers. It's the way that our local church is resourced to minister to our local community and to win disciples for Christ. It is God's plan for resource in the local church. And finally, tithing is the way to release blessing into your life. In Malachi 3.10, It says, bring the whole tithe, the whole tenth, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will, God is promising this, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And that's his promise in Malachi 3.10. Next question people ask often is, should I tithe on my gross or on my net? Yeah, so, you know, at the heart of tithing uh, and giving is the, the uh, it's a revelation about obedience to God. It is not a formula that you do. It's not a formula that you process uh, to earn God's favor. Really, it's a form of worship. It's a form of honor. It's a form of obedience to God. And really, a great way to think about this is that it, it is, it's actually we're giving God our first and our best. You'll hear us say that a lot around here, uh, but it's because it's a great way to actually think about this part of your life, that you are giving your first and your best. In Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 9, says this, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Right there, first. We want to give God our first. So when we're talking about your paycheck, when we're talking about gross and net, your gross, if you're not familiar with this, your gross is your entire paycheck. That's the whole thing. Your net is a lot of times just to call it take-home pay, what's deposited in your account, and that is after everything has been deducted, right? Your health insurance, your 401k contribution, taxes. And so when we're asking the question, should I tithe on gross or net, uh, our answer is the gross. We want to tithe on the whole paycheck, not just part of it, because we also want to give God our first. We want that tithe to be the first thing that comes out of our paycheck, not after we've paid the government, not after we've paid insurance, not after we've put money into retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. So tithe on gross. So, next question is this, isn't tithing just an Old Testament law? Isn't this just kind of an Old Testament thing? We're living in the New Testament uh, covenant now, so uh, isn't that just old school? And you know what's interesting is that tithing was actually around before the law even existed. And Abraham was, was doing this, he kind of started tithing, Jacob continued it after him, and and some people have the, the, the idea that, that when Jesus came, he, he somehow canceled out tithing and canceled out the Old Testament. And that just isn't true. And I, I think Jesus knew that there would be some confusion over this. And so he, he has a statement that is really clear in Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18. He says this, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish 
their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So right there, Jesus is making it crystal clear. He came to fulfill the law, not cancel out the law. So this idea that he's canceling out the Old Testament, canceling those things out is is not true. You know, Jesus actually endorsed tithing. He he talks about it, and I'm going to read a verse here just to give you a little bit of context on this verse. It's actually the end of Jesus giving a pretty hardcore straight talk to some religious leaders of the day. If you have this idea of what Jesus is like and and you kind of picture him always as this kind of meek, quiet guy who liked to give hugs and and put on sandals and just sort of walk around um, very casually and spreading love and peace. He was that guy, but he was also fierce when it came to talking to religious leaders who were leading people astray. So if you want to you see that full package of that side of Jesus, read Matthew 23. We're going to read one verse out of there uh, today, though. It says this in verse 23, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So right there, Jesus is saying, yes, you should tithe. That is still a thing. Just don't ignore uh, the big pieces of what God is all about. I think this is just another clear example of how Jesus is making sure uh, we, we can't fall into our own tendencies, which is tell me the formula and tell me how to earn God's favor. Tithing is not that formula. It is not a one, two, three of how to get uh, God to be happy with you. It's the, a lifestyle of God's favor and relationship with him is so much bigger than just that. Amen? So our next question we've got here, this is a good one. Can I tithe to any Christian organization? This is this is a tricky question, and it um, especially, I think it's more difficult in today's age, in 2017, because there's so much rich ministry out there. Um, I, for one, my life is greatly blessed by many podcasts and blogs and books that I read and by other local pastors who live in other cities and other states all over the world, in Canada. And I, I can understand that this can get a little bit confusing for us, but let's, let's see what the Word has to say, and let's talk about that. In Malachi 3.10, which I read earlier, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, storehouse was the local place of spiritual teaching for you and your family. That was the storehouse. In the Old Testament, they called it the temple. And in the New Testament, they called it the church. Now, tithing is meant to provide for the ministry and the mission happening in your local church. It affects you, it affects your family, and it affects your local community. And that is ultimately where your tithe your first 10% is to go. Now, the Israelites did this. They gave 10% of all their income to their temple, to their church. And then what they gave beyond that was to help the needy and the poor. And that's called an offering. So in our moments that we have every Sunday, our tithe and offering moment, there is a difference between the two. The tithe is first, that is to your local storehouse, to your local church, and the offering is second. 
to meet the other needs. Now, we call these other organizations para-church, outside-of-church organizations. They're Christian organizations that are outside-of-church oversight, and there are so many awesome ones today, and they can do things that the local church can't do. For instance, a para-church organization can go after sex trafficking in a way that the local church cannot. They can go after it with like laser focus. So I do want to encourage you to be generous and to give to these ministries that have been called by God to go after these things, but to know that your tithe comes first to your local church and that what you give to them is considered an offering. Just to keep that math straight in your head. Hey, when we, even to other local churches and to other pastors, it can seem like, I'm gonna tithe to them, but I want to encourage you to tithe to where your family is and to where you are and to the church that's impacting your everyday local community. Even, this can feel tricky, missions. That is an offering. Give first to your local church, and then when you give to your friend who's about to go to Nicaragua or to a mission trip, um, that is considered an offering. Just to clear that up, that's not meant to replace your tithe. So that can be confusing. I totally, totally understand why that can be confusing. Now this next question is a big one, and we do get asked this a lot. What if my spouse does not want to tithe? Easy. Just make them. Right? All right, done. It's pretty easy to do that. I feel like, Teresa, would you say, uh, have you had a lot of success uh, changing yeah. me over the years? Some, yes. Sometimes. So uh, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is a tricky area, you know. Uh, money, if you've, if you've been married for at least six or seven seconds, uh, or even you've planned a wedding before, you know that finances can be a very hot topic in your relationship, in your marriage. And so I would, I would say that this, uh, this question in this area is not, not even really that dissimilar to what if my spouse doesn't want to go to church with me or, or those kind of things. Uh, I think, I think, the, the very first thing you should do is pray. Uh, I think that sounds really simple, but pray. There, there is no greater human relationship that you will ever have in your entire life than your marriage and your spouse. And so I think for all the frustration moments you have, all the times where you were talking uh, to other people about the situation, spend the same amount of time praying for your spouse and praying about that situation. Ask God for the wisdom and the timing on how to talk about this. And that really is, an, is, is one of the uh, things that I want to say on how to deal with a, a ton of things in your marriage. We've, we've been fortunate enough to, to learn from a lot of amazing couples, and uh, we're only a few years into this, so we're still rookies. But, you know, I think, I think one of the things that I see over and over in healthy relationships, in healthy marriages, is an open dialogue about important subjects. I handle uh, the majority of our finances in, in, in our family and how this operates, but I, I've been incredibly blessed by just forcing both of us to have open dialogue about the, the topic of finances. And I think to go after it in that way, nothing hidden, right? No hiding, no secrets in your marriage. Uh, everything on the table, uh, presenting it just like that. And, and you know, 
you, you've got to stick to your own convictions as well. Uh, if, you, if you have a job and you have your own income, you can tithe on that income, uh, but don't, don't go into it thinking you're going to force your spouse to do one thing or the other because, hey, heads up, you're not going to. It's just not the way it works. And, and people don't respond well to that anyway. This is a moment where you truly have to just put your faith in God, trust that your spouse is watching your example, yeah. and God is working on them behind the scenes in ways that we could never right. do. Right. The Holy Spirit is working on their heart in moments that you don't even know about uh, to, to talk to them about tithing, talk to them about giving. So this is a moment, this is an area where you really got to lean into God and trust God uh, in this area. Amen? Our next question uh, is this. What if I'm tithing, but I'm still not getting ahead? Should I tithe if I'm still in debt? Okay. Um, Hey, those are two separate questions. What if I'm tithing, not getting ahead, and should I tithe if I'm still in debt? And I feel like old Therese would have fallen into some of this. Um, But tithing is the beginning of wisdom. It is the beginning of wisdom. And if there's anyone that needs wisdom, (laughs) it's someone who is in debt or who is not growing financially. So I want to encourage you to take that first step of wisdom and to tithe. Um, But know that this, that tithing, I'm talking to Therese here, tithing is not licensed to be foolish. It is not licensed to ignore financial principles. But it is getting that first button on your shirt right. So uh, Dave Ramsey has a really interesting quote. I love Dave Ramsey. He's a financial counselor to millions of people. He says, if you cannot live off 90% of your income, then you cannot live off of 100%. Um, There's some truth to that. I'm not saying this is everyone's case, but I would bet there's a lot of people that when you get to the root of it, to the root, not everyone but a lot, there are probably some other issues going on in our finances. So I could have easily said in my early 20s, I can't afford to tithe. But if we really got to the root of it, there's some other things I can't afford to do as well. And that, that if I had put some wisdom into the way I spend my finances, it would, it would have made more sense to me. There's lots of things that can cause us to not increase in our finances, living above our means, ignorance about how to manage our finances or how to even run a business. God does, he does promise to rebuke the devourer, but we still live with the consequences of our stewardship. It's just the way it is. And that can be hard to hear. That would have been hard for me to hear. Uh, but there is, there are financial principles at work, and we cannot blame it on, well, I'm not going to tithe because I can't afford, if we are not also walking in line with other financial principles. Um, tithe, so this would be my answer to that, is no matter what season you're in, tithe. No matter what season. You know, in the chapter Luke, the poor widow gave her two mites, and it was all she had. And Jesus did not pull it back out and give it back to her and say, no, 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 you're not, you're in a season where you can't tithe. And it's okay. She was not exempt. But what he did was he commended her faith. He commended her obedience. So in all seasons, all seasons, tithe, but hear me on this, get financial counseling. Get sound financial counseling from a Bible-based counselor. Get honest with yourself. Ugh, it hurts about what you need versus what you want. Those are not the same thing. <laughs> and get accountability with your spending. 
So these are hard things, but I'm telling you, there's blessing wrapped up in all of this. Well, I think we've got time for one more question. Yes. Okay. I think this is a big one that we hear. I've been in full-time ministry for 10 years. Can I just give what's on my heart? Mm, Yes. Well, you know, certainly I think that there are times when being, being led by your heart or being led by your emotions can be an appropriate thing. But in general, I... I personally have not really found that to be a a great way or a healthy way to handle most of the important things in your life, right? Like, it's probably not wisdom to just spend your Monday through Friday waking up and going, hmm, do I feel like going to work today? Nah. (laughs) Right? That's not a good path. Uh, You know, it... Do I feel like being patient with my kids right now? Uh, In fact, true story, this morning, I did not feel like getting up at 3.45 a.m. to feed my 11-month-old, but you know what? I did, and I've been up since then. He's a good daddy. (laughs) And and you just got to do these things sometimes that you know are right, yeah? You're not led by your emotions. You don't let yourself be led by that when it comes to these major things. Do I feel like being kind and faithful to my spouse? This is not a time to be led by your heart. In fact, the Bible actually tells us in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful, that it's not something that we should put our hope, our trust, and lean ourselves into. That's just reserved for God. So uh, why can't you just give what's on your hearts? Because that's, that's not a great way to live. Being led by your emotions, honestly, we touched on this a little earlier, but it's actually a pretty selfish way to live because you are being directed by what is always best for you when you're being led by your heart, being led by your emotions. You know, tithing actually, it breaks selfishness off of our lives by reminding us that God is first, reminding us that God is in control of every single area of our lives, including our finances. It breaks that selfishness off because God created finances. He created your money in a way that connects to your heart in a very special way. You know, in Malachi, we read this verse uh, already today, but it talks about when you bring your tithe into the storehouse, it opens the windows of heaven over your life. And and I think one way that uh, a lot of people think about the windows of heaven in their life is an external thing where external circumstances are happening to you. You tithe and blessing comes into your life. Uh, Opportunity comes into your life through those windows of heaven. And I think that is true. But another way that I've thought about this uh, is that when you start to tithe, when selfishness starts getting broken off of your life, when you actually open up your heart to allow the Holy Spirit to work in the way that God has designed this to work, something inside of you actually starts to change. Something inside of you starts to open up where you start to be drawn to things you weren't drawn to before, where generosity starts getting drawn to you in a way that it never has before, where your lens, your perspective, your inside starts being reshaped in the image of God. 
And I think that's what the windows of heaven over our life can mean as well. We're, we're out of time today, but there, there are more questions, and, and maybe you have questions in this area. You know, we, we, we don't want to shy away from this. We want this to be an open discussion. So if you have any questions about this area, please come and talk to us. Uh, let us know. Call the church. Email us. Uh, we want to have a dialogue about this. This, this area... Listen to me, this area is too important for us not to be listening to what God has to say about the subject. Amen? Hey, like Ryan said, we encourage you ultimately to seek God's input in the questions you have about your life, every area, your relationships, dating, marriage, your physical health, every single area, to have conversations with God, heart to hearts with him. Sit down with him and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And that might seem crazy to you because to do this involves having a relationship with the most high God. And that is so possible. God has made a way for us to have a relationship with him. And that is through his son, Jesus. When we ask Jesus to come into our lives, when we invite him to be our savior and our Lord, When you make that decision, you start a lifelong journey and a relationship with God. And we never want to leave here without giving every single person in the room an opportunity to do just that, to begin a relationship with Jesus. So I want to pray with you today. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and to close their eyes. This is a private moment between each person and the Lord. And I want to pray, Father, you have called us to live a life of abundance and generosity. It is your will that we live in wide open spaces. I'm praying, God, for new thinking, for new believing to emerge in every single one of us. Please let your spirit open up our heart and our mind to your goodness, to your provision and your abundance. Everyone, I want you to know that you can live a life of abundant peace, abundant joy, abundant sense of purpose, strength, and joy by entering into a relationship with the God who holds it all in His hands. I want to encourage you, I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord. I know we're, all of us, there's so many stories in this room right now. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I want to pray with you to help take that first step towards Him today. Maybe you used to be close to the Lord, but you're not today. Or maybe you're just not sure. You're not sure where you fall into those categories. No one is looking around. But I want to give us an opportunity to put our life into the hands of our incredible, incredible God. If that's you, if you're saying, I want to give my life to Christ, I want to come back, or I'm just not sure. I want you to raise your hand real high. By raising your hand, you are signaling that I do, I need God. I want to return to God, or I'm just not sure. Thank you for raising your hand. Amen. See that? You are saying when you raise your hand, I need my life in the hands of God. That's what we're saying today. Anyone else? All right, I want to lead us in a prayer. I'm asking everyone with your eyes closed, heads bowed, though, to join us in this prayer. The entire room, we're going to say these words together. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus come, into my life. come into my life. 
I know I've sinned, but I come to you and to your cross where you paid the price for all my sin. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Jesus, help me become the person you've created me to be. Amen. Everyone, let's thank the Lord. Amen.